All right. Wednesday night, January 24th, 2024. I don't think I said that last week, did I? I don't remember. I think it's the first time I've said that this year. So we're in Joshua still, and we are at chapter 9. And uh, so we're at that point where this next battle that they are coming up against is going to, the way I see it, represents the, uh, the wiles of the devil, uh, the tricks of the devil. The devil is, uh, is very sneaky, right? And he has uh, a mission, him and all of his fallen angels, they have a mission to, to stop us from doing the will of God. Satan wants to trick us so that we won't be obedient to the Word of God. So we got to be on guard for that. So we've already uh, had this battle against Jericho, which represents worldly things, and then uh, AI, which I think represents our own flesh, how we underestimate it because it's such so small. And now we're going to these people these Gibeonites, they were a people that were supposed to be utterly destroyed like the others. Now, we've had a situation in Jericho where there was a person who believed what was being said about the nation of Israel and their God, and that person, Rahab, and anybody who came into her house, they were saved from death. So you got to keep that in mind, but do we have? Is there opportunity for any of these people in this uh, land, this promised land, to be able to be saved from death? God has said all of them have to die in this area, in this promised land area. Um, but we've, but we have seen the story of Rahab. Now we're going to see another group of people who are going to have their lives spared, but they do it through deception. And it may, we, we'll talk about it a little bit, uh, a little bit later, you know, is, it, is that the only way they could save their lives is through deception? Or could they have done it another way? So, let's read a little bit out of chapter 9. And let's pray first. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. Father, uh, just help us to understand your word. Help, help us to interpret it correctly and to apply it to our lives so that we will be better able to do the things that you've called us to do. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so chapter 9, and it came to pass. Oh, well, think about what, what we ended up with last week. At the end of 8... Joshua is reading all the words of the law, the blessings and the cursings, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded, which Joshua read not before all the congregation of Israel, with the women and the little ones and the strangers that were conversant among them. The word of God. They've, they've, so they've learned their lessons, maybe, and now they've read all the word of all what they had at that time, all the law of Moses. They read every word of it. 
even though they have read every word of it, they're about ready to get tricked by their enemy. And it came to pass when all the kings which were on this side Jordan in the hills and in the valleys and in all the coast of the great sea over against Lebanon, the Hittite and the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite heard thereof that they gathered themselves together to fight with Joshua and with Israel with one accord. And when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard that Joshua heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and Ai, they did work wily. Is that how you say that? Wily, like wily the coyote? Yeah. And went and made as if they had been ambassadors and took old sacks upon their asses or donkeys and wine bottles, old and rent and bound up, and old shoes and clouted upon their feet, and old garments upon them, and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua unto the camp at Gilgal, and said unto him and to the men of Israel, We be come from a far country, now therefore make ye a league with us. So an agreement, a contract, a covenant, you know, it's... it's uh, they are actors. They have, you know, don't throw away your old clothes and your old shoes because you might need them for something, a job. You're going to get into a really messy job. You know, hang on, you hang on to some old stuff, right? They have, and now they're going to use all this old stuff to put on so that when they just go over the hill, I mean, they're just right over the hill. That's where they live. And they do, they do all this stuff. They take old bread old wineskins, and they make it look like they've been traveling for days and weeks and months trying to get to him. And it, they acted it out really good. And the men of Israel said unto the Hivites, Peradventure ye dwell among us, and how shall we make a league with you? And they said unto Joshua, We are thy servants. And Joshua said unto them, Who are ye, and from whence come ye? And they said unto him, From a very far country thy servants are come because of the name of the Lord thy God, for we have heard the fame of him and all that he did in Egypt, and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond Jordan, to Sihon king of Heshbon, and to Og king of Basham, which was at Astroth. Wherefore our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spake to us, saying, Take victuals with you for the journey, and go to meet them, and say unto them, We are your servants, therefore now make ye a league with us. This our bread we took hot for our provision, out of our houses on the day we came forth to go unto you, but now, behold, it is dry and it is moldy. And these bottles of wine which were filled were new, and behold, they be rent, and these our garments and our shoes are become old by reason of the very long journey. I mean, they're just lying through their teeth. But, uh, and, and these, these people were thinking that we're doomed. 
if we don't do this, we're doomed. Now all the other kings are coming together to form a coalition to where they can fight against Joshua. Well, these guys don't see how that's going to be of any use. And they're, they're, they're basically willing to become servants so they won't die. And really, they're right. And the men took their victuals, all their, their food and water, whatever they needed to survive, and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. Okay, so this is the men that they went to. So this is Joshua and his people. And ask not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. There's, there's a clue right there. There's your warning. They did not pray through this situation. And they just... So, you, you, as a human being, can be tricked. Especially if you are a good-hearted person and you don't understand people. You know, you... you and when people who are doing bad things or they're in a bad spot, they will look to those who are really good-hearted people and they go to them because they, they will manipulate, say the right words, talk about how great you are and how you're so godly and you know how godly people, they you know, take care and, and they'll give you money. Oh, you know, and, and they just go on and on and on, but they're just tricking you. They, they're hypocrites in most cases. Uh, there's a couple that I haven't seen them in a while. They probably had to move on to another area, but they were in Salem, and they were a young couple, and they, they were just homeless. They just wandered around, and they just bummed off people. They tried to get money from people. So they would split up because they knew that the girl, probably in her early 20s, uh, she could get way more by herself being a woman. And she would walk up and she would start telling her life story and how she has nowhere to live. And then she'll, and she's like, oh, I don't know why I'm telling you all my problems. And it, it, just very convincing, you know, and just wanted you to help her out just a little bit. And people would just give her money. And then when she get the money, then she meet back up with her boyfriend, and then they go spend it on who knows what. But you got to watch out for for things like that, because most people who they who gave money to her, they didn't know what the what the scheme was. Uh, I can give you example after example, and that's not what we're doing tonight. But it just made me think of it. <clears throat> just came into my mind. Okay, uh, you know these guys are. Pl- these guys are playing that part. They're just, they're lying for their benefit. But when you think about what's going to happen to them, if they don't do this, you can understand why they're doing it. But Satan himself knows that once you, see, he's figured it out. He's, he, he thought, and I'm going way past this here, I mean, way in the future, when Jesus was on this earth, and he needed to be done away with. Well, that was actually God's plan, and Satan was looking at this kingdom that was going to be set up, and he wanted to kill the king to stop it from happening. But he was tricked by God, because that's exactly what needed to happen. 
so that Jesus could shed his blood for the whole world. Okay, well now he knows he's been tricked, and he's, he is the trickster of all tricksters, so he, uh, from that point on, if a person believes on Jesus, he knows that that person is going to heaven. There's nothing he can do about it. But what he can do is keep this person who is now empowered by the Holy Ghost, he can use the fact that they're still in their human bodies and they have a human nature. He, he will do everything he can to keep you from doing what God has called you to do, uh, keeping you from the promises of God, to not have a fulfilled, happy Christian life and bring many others with you your family members first, and he'll do whatever he can to stop you. He will tempt you with things that he wouldn't have tempted you with before because he knows if he could tempt you in some type of sin and you fall for it, then you will become worthless in trying to bring anybody else with you into this Christian way of life. He's very good at it. And many good people fall for the temptations. Now, if you fall for the temptations, that doesn't mean you've lost your salvation. It just means you've lost your ability to be a strong witness for your Heavenly Father. So they did not ask counsel at the mouth of the Lord. They just didn't do it. And then in 15, and Joshua made peace with them and made a league with them to let them live and the princes of the congregation swear unto them. Now, it's a done deal now. See, even though God has already told them that these Gibeonites were to be utterly destroyed, now that Joshua, the leader of the people, has made this league with them and all of the princes have sworn unto them, your word is supposed to mean something. And according to God, when you make a promise to somebody, you must keep it. Even though they tricked you into it, too bad. Your word should mean more because God's word means everything. And we are to be representatives of our Heavenly Father his word is sure and perfect. He will not back up from it. He will not change it. And once we make a commitment and we say something, it's supposed to be, it's never going to be as good as God, but we're supposed to represent him. And God expects us to do what we said we were going to do. Even though now it's against what God wanted to start with. You understand how critical it is? And it came to pass at the end of three days, three days, here it is again, three days, after they had made a league with them, that they heard that they were their neighbors and that they dwelt among them. And the children of Israel journeyed and came unto their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon and uh, it's probably Kafira, I can't say that one, and Beroth, and Kerjath, Jerem, Jerem, I think. 
So hopefully y'all don't know how to pronounce them any better than me, and that sounded great to everyone. And the children of Israel smote them not because the princes of the congregation had sworn unto them by the Lord God of Israel, and all the congregation murmured against the princes. Understood, yeah. But all the princes said unto all the congregation, We have sworn unto them by the, by the Lord God of Israel. Now therefore we may not touch them. This we will do to them. We will even let them live, lest wrath be upon us because of the oath which we swear unto them. So if they would have said, Ah, oh, you know what, they tricked you. Uh, go ahead and kill them anyway because they tricked you. Well, according to them knowing their God, that wrath would come down on them for breaking their promise. All right, remember we're at 21. Now, Satan appears as an angel of light with suggestions which appeal to the human mind. You need to test that by what God has revealed in His Word. So it's critical that we know His Word. We need to read it and read it, listen to it. We need to know it. And you will be uh, way better off by knowing the Word of God. In Isaiah 8.20 it says, To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this Word, it is because there is no light in them. Again, that's Isaiah 8.20. To the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. In uh, 2 Corinthians 11.3, I'll go ahead and read the whole verse. I got Corinthians marked at 6. So I'll just turn a few pages. All right, 2 Corinthians 11. It's, this is talking about uh, the, the devil being a deceiving serpent. Second Corinthians 11. I'm going to start with verse 1. Would... To God, that's like, I just, I, I really want this. Would to God, ye could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband. Now, this is the Apostle Paul is writing this to the Corinthians. This is the second letter to them. And he has introduced them to their husband, Jesus Christ. So you're, you're a spouse to, he, for I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ, pure. But I fear lest any, by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, huh? Yeah, subtlety. It's hard for me to say that. Subtly, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Did you hear that? 
It's, it's such... Christ has presented His way of salvation with simplicity that anybody can understand it. It's so simple that all the intellectuals have a tough time with it. And Satan uses that. He uses that fact to get to people and to trick them. Eve was beguiled by the serpent, the devil. Alright, and then in 1 Peter 5, I mean, read all of that, 2 Corinthians 11, it's, it's all good, I would love to keep reading it. Um, in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, this is where it's talking about Satan being a devouring lion. So we had deceiving serpent, and now we have a devouring lion. <clears throat> Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world, but the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And, of course, I think everybody knows Ephesians. I don't have that mark, but I did. Ephesians 6, starting with verse 10. Y'all all know this very well. Ephesians 6, starting with 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's the title of tonight's message. The wiles of the devil. And this is Joshua 9 that we're studying. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. See, salvation is very simple, but living the Christian life is not so simple because you have got the world, your own flesh, and the devil coming after you with everything they have. And you need to know this scripture right here. And if you really take notice of all this, it's really nothing you do to have victory in your Christian walk other than putting on all this armor that is spiritual. It's still believing. Hmm. 
having done all to stand, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, don't, I mean, that's where pe most people stop reading. 18 is extremely important. Because all of this armor, it's for you to be in an offensive position. Well, a sneaky, no good, cowardice devil will come in from behind where there's no armor for your back, and try to take you out. So 18 is your protection. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplications for all saints. We're supposed to watch each other's backs. We may have to get back to back, protect each other as we're fighting. But it's through prayer that protects us from this sneaky devil. Now, what will happen if you allow yourself to be tricked by the devil? Let's go ahead and finish. Let's go ahead and read a little more, and then we're going to go to another spot. Um, actually, I'm going to read something out of this little book right here. It's, this, I thought this was kind of funny, so I wanted to read it to you. It's real short. It's the uh, Be Strong, uh, Warren Wiersbe. I, I just read a little bit of this earlier, and I thought it was a little bit funny. So, But, it, but it's very true. All right, listen to this. this is, he's talking about what we're doing, going over. <clears throat> he says, An anonymous wit reminds us that a... Now, he's talking about mistakes. We all make mistakes, right? So he, this, this anonymous person, this, this wit, reminds us that a dentist mistake is pulled out. A lawyer's mistake is imprisoned. A teacher's mistake is failed. A printer's mistake is corrected. A pharmacist's mistake is buried. A postman's mistake is forwarded, and an electrician's mistake could be shocking. And then he says, the novelist Joseph Conrad wrote, it's only those who do nothing that make no mistakes. Now, in most cases that might be true, but we had a case right here where the biggest mistake was Joshua doing nothing. He did not go to God for counsel. So we have to admit that by doing nothing, that itself is a mistake. But in this world we live in, if you don't want to make mistakes, then don't do anything. And a lot of people are that way. They don't get, you know, the people who are go-getters, they mess up, and everybody goes, oh, look at how he messed up. They forget about the nine things they did absolutely wonderful, and they pick out the one thing they messed up on. And the person who does the most criticizing is the one that's over there doing absolutely nothing, going, I didn't do anything wrong. Well, you didn't give your chance to, you know, yourself a chance to do anything wrong because you did nothing. 
So Joshua, is, uh, his mistake was doing nothing. All right, now 21. Uh, Joshua 9, 21. And the princess said unto them, Let them live, but let them be hewers of wood and drawers of water. Drawers. So you're going to go fetch water. You're going to hew the wood for building things. unto all the congregation as the princes had promised them. And Joshua called for them, and he spake unto them, saying, Wherefore have ye beguiled us, saying, We are very far from you when ye dwell among us. Now therefore ye are cursed, and there shall none of you be freed from being bondmen, and hewers of wood, and drawers of water, for the house of my God. And they answered Joshua and said, Because it was certainly told thy servants how that the Lord thy God commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land from before you, therefore we were sore afraid of our lives because of you and have done this thing. And now, behold, we are in thine hand, as it seemeth good and right unto thee to do unto us do. And so did he unto them, and delivered them out of the hand of the children of Israel, that they slew them not. And Joshua made them that day hewers of wood and drawers of water for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord, even unto this day, in the place which he should choose. So... Because of their human mindset, because of being tricked, beguiled by these people, they had to make a league, a covenant. Are you listening? Do you hear what I'm saying? Because they've done this, now they have to live amongst hypocrites, liars, in their congregation. They've got to be together, and they're not what we would say equally yoked. So they're going to suffer, the nation of Israel is going to suffer from the, co- the consequences that come along with this league that they have made with these people. There was a reason that God said, wipe them all out. There, there's a reason that God hates idolatry and hates tolerance of idols. You know, Solomon, King Solomon, started out absolutely wonderful. But it just went downhill from there. And by the end of his life, where he had married so many foreign women who had idols from their countries and their cultures, that he became very tolerant of it, trying to keep his wives happy, and even built altars and high places for those little G-gods and the nation of Israel suffered greatly because of it. <clears throat> when you make a league or a covenant with somebody, remember that. You're stuck to it. So let's go to... Uh, I read this recently. I'm I'm uh I'm gonna be in Second Corinthians. There it is. 
I'm like, I know I had that mark, but my marker slid down. Now, I read this recently, and I can't remember if it was a Wednesday night or a Sunday, but I'm reading this again. Listen carefully, starting with 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? We, our bodies, are temples for the Holy Spirit. So we have to be very careful what we allow inside of the temple. For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So, the example of being unequally yoked, there's several examples of that. And one of them is in marriage. You have a believer, and that person, because of natural affection, you might fall in love with a non-believer. <clears throat> and then if you marry, you're making a covenant to God that you will obey, honor, and stay with forever. And if you're unequally yoked, believer, non-believer, and you willfully join into that, God is holding you to that, even though it might turn into a life of misery, you're supposed to stay in it regardless. And that's what's going to happen to these people in Israel. So we need to take, take this very seriously. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Don't do it. Because your word and commitment and promise has to be above what the Word of God has actually said to you once you make that commitment. You knew better, but you did it anyway. Now you're going to suffer for it. So take it seriously. <clears throat> Back over to Joshua. Next week we'll be getting into chapter 10 and... I just want to share with you before we quit for tonight, there's a, there's a, uh, a misconception of this offering of peace. So we just read, and, and this is very new to us, y'all might remember this, but there's people who would say that the, the, these Gibeonites didn't have to do this deception thing. They could have just came to Joshua and been honest with him and said, hey, we're from over, over the hill and we just want to, but because of what Deuteronomy 20 says. 
So let's go back to Deuteronomy 20. You don't have to turn there if you don't want. I'm going to read, uh, read it real quick, and then we're going to be done. But what people will, will point you to is Deuteronomy 20, uh, verses uh, 10. I thought I wrote it. Yeah, 10, 11, and 12. And it says, when, this is Moses instructing the people when they come up to an enemy city and how they're to handle it. And it says in 10, When thou comest nigh unto a city to fight against it, then proclaim peace unto it. Do you hear that? Walk up to the city, you're about ready to fight it, and proclaim peace unto it. And it shall be, if it make thee answer, if it make thee answer of peace and open unto thee, then it shall be that all the people that is found therein shall be tributaries unto thee, and they shall serve thee. And if it will make no peace with thee, but will make war against thee, then thou shalt besiege it. So people would turn to this and see there, that's how they're supposed to handle it. But if you remember when we were going through this, um, you've got to read more than just that. See, I can go in, this is just a good example of how you can go into the Word of God and you can pull out a truth and tell it to people and make your argument that they should not have killed all the people in the Promised Land because of this right here. Or that the Gibeonites could have done this. Say, hey, peace, we're, we're, we'll be your servants and all that. And that's actually what they did, but they, they didn't come with them. They said we were outside of this the Promised Land. And that's what this is applying to. Anybody outside of the Promised Land. So you, you have to keep reading Notice in 13, it says, And when the Lord thy God hath... We're, we're over in Deuteronomy 20. This is like rerun. And when the Lord thy God hath delivered it into thine hands, thou shalt smite every male thereof with the edge of the sword, but the women and the little ones and the cattle and all that is in the city, even all the spoil thereof, thou shalt... Notice that the women are spared. After they made war with you, what was the instructions when they went into the promised land? Everybody dies. You can't leave anybody. All right, let's keep reading. Um, let's go down to 15. Thus shalt thou do unto all the cities which are very far off from thee. Did the Gibeonites know this? That's exactly what they said. We're from very far away. We want to make a league with you which are not of the cities of these nations. And what's these nations? The promised land that they're going into. The devil will use the Word of God to trick you. He'll take something out of its context, and he will share it with you, and you'll say, yep, I know that's in the Bible. He must be telling me the truth. That's how all these crazy doctrines get taught to people and people just eat it up because they take this portion out and this portion out and they tell you about those portions conveniently neglecting the other verses that are with it just to push what they want everybody to believe. You've got to read it all. You can't pick and choose what you want out of the Bible. 
And the devil himself knows the Bible well, and he will use it to get you off course. So don't be beguiled by the devil. Let's pray. Dear Lord, help us. Help us to be people who love your word, Father, have total confidence in it, and that we would want to devour it, eat it up. Father, that it will be a part of us. It will be in our minds and in our hearts and on the tip of our tongue, ready to speak it out when needed, that we would pray it. Father, help us to have ears to hear and eyes to see that we can have a victorious Christian life, that we may be able to start bringing in others with us for this journey. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.